0: Welcome to the fifth episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting in the industry, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Zen Pinball 2 and Castle Storm, and Zen Pinball 2 is on the PS4, that's what we're celebrating its release, and we have Mel Kirk of Zen Studios. Hello, sir. Hello, thank you for having me. So, uh, who are you? Well, that, that's
1: a funny question. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm a guy from a very, very small town, uh, and I actually, I still live in that very small town. It, it's a funny story, it's uh, Miwok Village, California, Okay. And it, it does exist. It sounds like it's out of Star Wars. Yeah, it's uh, it's up here in the remote mountains in the Sierra Nevadas, uh, right. between Tahoe and Yosemite, and uh, and I it's a town of about 500 people. And here I am managing a video game company in this small little town, and nobody understands what I do or how this is possible. And uh, I get people just are kind of puzzled. That's uh, it's,
0: that's it's really funny. That's amazing. I I live in um London which is not a small town um, at all. In fact, I do complain about it sometimes when I go to other cities and I go, this one's a bit small. Honestly, I'm just like, it seems a bit, because most cities have this central compressed area that everyone goes to, like the central hub, like a downtown area. London doesn't have that. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been there, but it's here. Or it's, it's just this sprawling mass <laughs> of, of like 9 million people. And, I've been to London one time, and I, <laughs> I I agree with you. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> it's how it is. It's like yeah. oh, you go to these urban centers. I live in a part uh, near an urban centre. It's not in London. It's actually in Greater. Oh, it's just so when I go to other places, and I just like um, it's quite interesting. I, I my pace of walking is London pace. I'm running around like, like, because I'll get trampled otherwise. <laughs> but I yeah, did this keep this. You got to keep up, and the problem is I do this everywhere. <laughs> and it right. takes me a while to slow down because i remember I was, when i went to pax My uh, when i first went to pax i was with a group of friends and uh i was in seattle and i was just running almost you know just because i thought i was gonna get trampled and i go where are you going so i'm gonna get trampled by who <laughs> just, you know, there's no one gonna trample oh yeah i
1: swear there's oh. a crowd behind me somewhere there is there's gotta be there's gotta
0: be yeah anyway so that's so, that's fascinating uh how to i mean the, the power of the internet who'd have thunk it you know uh, yeah planet.
1: exactly i mean i i joke that i was raised by indians and run with wolves because <laughs> that is it's like a little village i mean it's a little small town and it's got an indian name and there's tons of wildlife bears and wolves and everything you know like foxes and everything running around so it's it's uh pretty funny
0: excellent i'm deeply jealous Uh, The only wildlife we have around here is, well, rather not go into that, squirrels. Yes. (laughs) We have squirrels. Um, Now, how did you start making games or being part of the industry as a whole?
1: Yeah, and that's another, uh, I don't know, when I look back on it now, I guess a fascinating story. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been in the industry now for about 10 years, and I started uh, with a marketing and PR agency um, that had nothing to do with, uh, with games at the time. And... Um, it was my job to develop uh, new new markets for this agency, and I was in the, I was grew up playing games. I had ambitions of working in the industry at some point, and so I just said, Hey, I'm I want to bring in gaming clients, and um, there was a need at that time uh, by for publishers to have traditional marketing and PR sort of services, uh, especially for big releases. And um, anyway, I I ended up uh, getting a few accounts on board. One of them was a company called Red Octane, and they were working on a game called In the Groove, oh, and uh, yes. making dance pads. Mm-hmm. And so we, we started working with them, and one thing led to another, and we were able to get them their publishing agreement with Sony, and started working on a game that we all know as uh, Guitar Hero.
0: Yes. And, and uh, they ended up in Kensha Hall in E3, <laughs> and that was that. That. Uh, yeah, were you there? Were you in Kensha Hall? Uh, no, I didn't go to that one particular, but I do know the okay. story of it. That's where they were, and I knew. And I have been to E3, but that was one E3 I didn't actually go to. But it was the Kensho Hall at the time doesn't exist anymore, sad face. But it was yeah. where you know the undesirables were.
1: <laughs> that's right. We were. It was like the weirdos of the, the all the outcasts, and the, is this really going to work? And what are you yes. thinking? And you know that's where all those companies were. And we had a we had a, a front-facing booth where we had the dance pads and in the groove out, and anybody could come play that. But if you want a Guitar Hero, that was behind closed doors only, and it was like the secret thing. That's and, right, and uh,
0: GameSpot kind of discovered you, didn't they? They kind of pushed you. Yeah, and actually, and
1: Matt Miller from uh, Game Informer.
0: Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, We're he was one of our
1: off. earliest believers in and so anyway that that's where i got my start and and we we did obviously well with guitar hero and that just led to a whole bunch of other things and led to this agency growing and expanding and having a lot of success and uh then i i i kind of got sick and tired of doing that and i wanted to work on my own projects or work for a company that had its own games and that i could really help build from the ground up and so uh I, I left there not sure where to go and ended up with Zen studios uh, about I don't know over about three and a half years ago okay. they had a good pinball game on their hands but Amazing. Kind, of un- Amazing yeah, baseball, kind of under a rock though based <laughs> they're based in Budapest yeah the main studios in Budapest yeah and uh, and and so we just Microsoft made some good introductions and we I flew over there met with uh, jolt who's the CEO we talked mm-hmm. about life we talked about games we talked about what do we want to be doing in five years and what our interests were. And we were just lined up. And so we just decided to partner and I would handle uh, the business and helping to shape the product uh, so that people want, want to buy the game. I would help get licenses. I would help us distribute. Um, and so that all that is morphed into my role of just being like kind of a, a quasi product manager, a little bit on the PR end, on the biz dev end, on the product development, kind of just at the intersection of everything that happens at the company. So it's a really dynamic role. It's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. It, yeah. it just changes every day, yes. but, um, it's, it's, so anyway, that, that, that's kind of my role, who I am, how I got started. And it's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a job dream come true.
0: Yeah. And, and living in a lovely small town near, near bears, which is fantastic. And that's the icing well, on the cake. Yeah. And all, and all I, I do 30. travel a
1: lot, you know, so it's nice to come home to this little quiet place. I,
0: I, I've traveled all over the place. I live, a born and bred in london but i just keep on coming back it's just like i'll stay here i'll be fine (laughs) i it's just because it's a a lovely portal you can always get here from and people come here so okay (laughs) people
1: want to come here when i tell them where i'm at especially you know like our partners and everything they're like oh why don't we come to your place and do an on-site there you know (laughs) (laughs) well okay
0: yeah, it's, it's, sure, yeah, come on up.
1: It's
0: serene sounds... It's, just, it's
1: to, about yeah. two and a half hours from San Francisco, so it's oh, just yeah. far enough, you know, I mean, you feel completely isolated and you're out of the mm. city, but it's it's very reachable, so...
0: And it's still in the state of California? Yes. Yeah. It's just not on a border or anything like that, or... I don't know. Or it's not It's not on the border of any other state, it's just like, kind of... Uh, we're we're
1: in, close to the border of Nevada, I guess. That's what if, I was thinking. That's yeah, if you crossed our about. mountains and went to the other yeah.
0: side, you'd be in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so the next thing is, what are your biggest influences? Do you think the studio itself, or maybe you can talk to you, what do you think their, their influences are, uh, or your, your influences are as, as, as a company uh, that, that, that you then keep on being drawn to when you make new content? Whether it's licensed stuff or, or your own original stuff, what do you sure. think you, you you fix to more?
1: Well, we're uh, on the pinball side of things. I mean, we're heavily influenced by the classic designers. There's no question. Guys like Steve Ritchie, okay. um, John Papaduke, and you know those guys who mm-hmm. uh, designed the, those tables in the '70s, '80s, and even into the early '90s. I, if you look at some of our earlier work, one might say, "Hey, this table really reminds me of uh, like." Uh, uh, Arabian Nights or Twilight Zone, you know and that 's true. A, a lot of our earlier pinball designs were kind of uh, modeled after those great classic tables and when we got some experience and whatnot we kind of venture started venturing out onto our own yeah, um, yeah. but we- still I mean we're, we're heavily uh, influenced by what was done by those guys and um, our approach with licenses you know we kind of you look back in the, the heyday for pinball machines and any big band or movie or property had a pinball you know made
0: he did like KISS had one and uh, Rays of Lost Ark and yeah all sorts of weird and wonderful things has had a pinball um, table you would not believe actually listeners that uh, there's some stuff attached to pinball tables like what you know uh, I don't think it's gone as crazy as like a disinfectant cleaner but it probably is uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. i just come to my head um well, any so yeah and what about you know the the, the team behind castle storm for example or any, or any other influences do can you think of
1: yeah i, I think that we're um we're we are um we are we are sort of influenced i guess by classic arcade style games um mm. things that are easy to pick up and play mm. we don't want we we See our kind of our niche as um, I mean we're kind of arcadey with that pinball feel. We've also done a, a mini golf game that oh, did really yes. well, yeah. and and so we we kind of we see our niche as as providing games that anyone can pick up and play and that the family can enjoy. And Castle Storm it, it was actually deceptively complicated. It so we kind of stepped a little bit out of that, but we we meshed a few genres together that we really liked and things that we felt yes. people were were. Uh, um, enjoyed like the whole Angry Birds thing right mm-hmm. um, obviously hugely popular and we just took that core mechanic and then we really like the ability to grind and to, um, uh, uh, you know we're fans of classic RPGs too so um, yeah I mean not everyone, and... make, not everyone
0: has to make Day Z right I
1: mean... right <laughs> so but it's all done in a way that is very uh, accessible so yeah um, we took that kind of really casual feel, but with some of our favorite game genres and, and just kind of
0: blended it together and experimented, and yeah. it worked out. There's some questions I have on that and how you've managed to do an amazing mashup and come up with that. It's quite interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, So who do you most admire in, in, the, in the industry? Well, right now, I, I mean, I still, I'm a
1: huge admirer of uh, Alex Rogopoulos over at Harmonix. I think that that guy is uh, yeah totally innovative and I, I've worked with him in the past. So I'm, I'm just, a, I'm, a, I'm still a huge fan of his work and what he's been able to do. Essentially, a Guitar Hero to me bridged the gap from gaming being a very geeky, niche thing into a mass market uh, thing literally overnight.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still have my kit set up in my living room, just in case, just in case. Yeah. And occasionally I break out the drums and or what have you or play bass or something. I was always really bad at the guitar. Really bad. <laughs> but when it comes to bass and bass line and stuff like that, I'm much better. Uh and I still have it there because people come over and oh yeah. And they point at it and go, Why is it still out? Do you want to go? All right, and it's been years, you years, know. Yeah. It, it, sadly, but I still got rock band three and I've got all loads and loads of songs and stuff. And it's still there's always a song. There's always a song on there that people want to, to Play in inverted commas, mm-hmm. um, so that's really well, good to hear. M- music
1: ages differently. Good music, if you hear it, you know it. It still is fresh to you. It still sounds good. You can you get the groove, you know. So yes. the 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 way that that game just took people um, and created an experience that just bridged everybody together was you know pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, and it yeah broke down all those ice walls and stuff. It's lovely.
1: Yeah. Um, so. so- and then uh, probably the other one I was, just, you know, John Carmack to me is like the smartest guy on this planet. Yeah, and, uh, Doom. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it all it all began, and uh, it was just at least for me anyway. Playing those games back in the day, and uh, it's so cool to see him now leading the charge at uh, Oculus. And I just think that VR is going to have a huge to do here in the next few years. And it's cool to see Carmack leading uh, that next charge.
0: Yeah. To have someone go, you know what, I'm so bought into this, I'm going to leave behind the very thing that fed my family. I'm just Mm -hmm. going to walk away from it. I'm going to throw myself into this because this is the future. But I just remember back in the 90s when they were going, oh, it's all VR. Like, no, no, really, it it isn't. No, no. And, you know, it's quite interesting because I was actually going through some old archives of games and stuff and I found some stuff like we really didn't have a clue back then. We're just fumbling in the dark um, with, you know, all this CGI stuff and all the, all the spinning the video content from the disco. This will be the future, really, is it? <laughs> I hope it isn't, because I don't want to be part of it. Um, but it's, yeah, to, I've I've used Oculus Rift in, you know, I've been very, um, very enthused by it and some really, really interesting games. I'm not particularly susceptible to motion sickness, personally. Uh, I know a lot of people are, but I've never had any, you know, amazing yeah any no, no problem with it don't about yourself but it's just like you know a lot of people can't play half-life for example for, for, for that reason like
1: yeah no there's going to be a segment of people who can not enjoy it unfortunately but you know i think i mean vr is going to be great for games but probably the most important impacts it's going to have is uh, in things that will improve our quality of life you know like healthcare care and mm. uh Um, I don't know, maybe military things and not, you know, I hate war but if we can save lives, however, I mean geez, let's do it Um, so I I just think that the the uses for the technology are going to just be really, really incredible especially on the medical side of things so I'm excited to see what they do
0: which struck me when I saw that that cloud computing stuff, like when you see uh, on live, was it and they we did that, you know, you can play games remotely, and then couldn't it be used for other purposes? You know, that streaming stuff and the high... Yeah, absolutely. You could use that for educational and medical purposes and throwing everything up into the cloud. Although I do find it interesting how things... No one seems to mention this, but things are going kind of full circle because that's how computing used to be in the late 70s. You didn't have a powerful computer at your desk. You had a terminal. It's a really dumb terminal that barely had anything. And then it fed into a mainframe you know, in this big building somewhere else. <laughs> and yeah. I'm thinking, Are we going back to that? And this is, like, is anyone putting a hand? on going to hang on because it you do it does take away control. You know, you right. no longer have control then because the content is somewhere else, owned by somewhere else stationed somewhere else. Are you okay with that? Mm, it's, a, it's a debate for another time, but it's something, you know, history has a tendency to repeat itself and that's what I'm getting from this. Like, hmm, are we going? Anyway, <laughs> it's a debate for another time. Sure. Um, what are you playing right now? Other than the output of of Zen Studios, of course. What, what else are yeah. you yeah, entertaining yourself with?
1: So, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, quite a few games right now, but, me too.
0: Um... Me too. <laughs>
1: So I I recently finished The Wolf Among Us from Telltale. Oh right. Was, okay. Oh man, it was so awesome. Uh, they've, I mean, they've just improved their storytelling and the voice acting and the drama and the art. Like from Walking Dead, we thought that was good. Like Wolf Among Us is just really just,
0: yeah, okay. I thought it was I, I, okay. exceptional. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out because I haven't. You gotta it. check it out,
1: and I'm yeah. excited. I want to play. Uh, uh, you know, starting uh, Walking Dead season two but I, I started playing on xbox and so i'm waiting i it comes out today i believe so i can pick up uh you know where my choices so basically i have to finish the game there because your choices from game 1 will impact game 2 yes as always so i need the same save file um so i'm going to start playing that uh but wolf among us was really great um also playing i'm saying playing a super mario 3d world on the wii u yes what a glorious
0: oh. glorious game that is I'm um, so
1: bummed that more people don't have Wii U because they I need to play this
0: U. game. Yeah, I have a Wii U, uh, I'm happy to say, because I've never, never had any Byron's Regret at all with only yeah. a Wii U. Um, I think there's some magnificent games on there, both online, you can download, and, you know, disk space. But one of my favorites this year is Rayman Legends. Oh, my heavens. The game is you know- beautiful.
1: I haven't played Legends yet. I played uh, the one from the the previous Raymond, uh, whatever it was, Origins. Uh, Origins, yeah, Origins was beautiful as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, tell us more about Mario then. What were your, your thoughts on it apart so from So I'm your
1: I'm fears? in the fourth world now. Okay, as far as I've gotten, but you know the uh, and I can't remember the names of the levels specifically, but I really loved the snow. The the uh, the first one with the snow where you blow in your gamepad and the snow blows around. <laughs> I mean, just, how
0: awesome is that? Oh no. I know, but yeah. Apparently, I've just read the news um, that the Wii U hasn't sold particularly well, and it's terrible, terrible. Um, because it's some lovely third and first party games, but primarily first. I know, but even still. Um, and then the, uh, the the other level,
1: I love the one where you're on the slide. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so it's just so fun. I have two little girls; they're uh, four, and the other one turned three today, actually. Okay. So. But they just sit there, and they're enamored, and they're just captivated. And yes. they, just, they just want to watch Mario, and they don't want to watch cartoons anymore. They just want me to play Mario, and they want to watch.
0: I am, uh, it's amazing to be grown up and bringing people, uh, children up, no doubt. And, and a, growing up in this era where you're surrounded by screens. Um, yeah. For me personally, I remember – well, I'm going to my age. I've done this, done this before on the shows, but the first video game I played was in 76, so I remember I knew it because it was the same year I went to see Star Wars. So my brain was exploding. And there's only I was only five. And um, I played Pong with my brother, and uh-huh. uh, it was in a big yellow Pong machine. You know the ones that, that it was it was one of those. And we were entranced because I couldn't believe that I could actually do something that would affect the screen, the television screen. Yeah, I just completely blown away. Like, hang on, I'm twiddling this knob. And it's moving something on this. I'm no longer just passively taking it in. I'm impacting on it. I'm changing it. And That's that, the
1: magic of it, right? That was it.
0: That, yeah. I was gone. That was it. it was like I, I really, really, really like this, and um, that that was it. So for kids now, oh, just you know, it's, it's, it must be really hard as well because you don't want to over over um, saturate them. Surely, so you've got to be. I mean, they're at their age, aren't they? Your, your, your
1: yeah, kids. everything in moderation. Yeah. You know, if they had their way, they'd sit there with the iPad all day and, mm. and
0: play, you know,
1: but Bubble Mania and Peggle and whatever else. So. there's some
0: way more interesting things in the back of the garden, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, that's but you, I mean.
1: you want them to see the balance, you know? You, yeah. They need to see the balance in, uh, in, in the beauty in nature and the natural world, and then they need to understand technology and how it affects them and... So I just think that making sure that they have a good amount of everything is, is probably the best
0: way to go. Because I, I did as a kid. Remember, I did you know, video games. that also had Lego, uh, lots of Lego. Uh, I had a Skeletric set, which is like a remote-controlled car thing. I'm just those. And also had, you know, bike running around and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just everything was apportioned. You know, yes. there was no – it's just how it worked. And it's kind of frustrating when you hear people, reactionary people – um, saying video games are the bane of our existence. That much, no, they're not. I mean,
1: we do a lot of Lego building over here with with regular Legos, and then yeah. like another game we're playing is is Mar- Marvel uh, Lego right now. So, yeah, yeah. which is great. It's Woo-hoo. another fantastic game, and I just love what they did with fin- with uh, Mr. Fantastic.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> they are a very talented mob. Yeah, TT checked. is really cool. Yeah, a fantastic job with that. Okay, well, let's move on then. This is now... We're going to move on to the second half of the show where we chat about both Castle Storm and Zen Pinball 2 for the PS4. So, Mel... Let's talk about Zen Pinball 2 first, I think, and also just the family of pinball games, if you will. If I want, I'd like to expand it a bit, because I know you've just released on PS4, well done, which yeah. must have been quite a challenge, but could you give us the pitch for just the, the family of games, rather than specifically Pinball Zen Pinball 2, which is, I know, what's the relationship between them as well, because I've always played FX a lot on the 360. Yeah. Right. So tell us about that.
1: So Pinball FX uh, was our original pinball game, and that was native to Microsoft platforms. Uh, and so back on the 360, I mean, Pinball FX uh, was the first thing to, to release. Uh, and then we, we wanted to go and release an, uh, the game on other platforms, but we were kind of locked in to Pinball FX on Microsoft only. So we came up with, with the Zen Pinball brand, which has since been released on PlayStation and really every other digital store um but anywhere where Microsoft is our publisher it's the Pinball FX brand so that's kind of why we have two different games M- both made by Zen Studios both have very similar content there are a few tables that are uh exclusive to like Microsoft and to PlayStation which um can't be released on on each, vice versa but moving forward we've uh, restructured agreements to where any new content we make gets released to either game so um we're happy about that because Players well, on
0: all the tables, you know. It so. did. I mean, speaking as one myself, it's the completest. Like, you end up buying. It's great yeah. for you, but you end up buying two games, and it's. Yeah, like, it's like, just it's good. it's kind of yeah, it's kind of. And also, what about the mobile platforms? We're not talking, just talking about iOS or Android. We're talking about Vita and the 3DS as well.
1: Yeah, on, on the gaming handheld end of things, we're on Vita and 3DS. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's Zen Pinball 3D, and then there's uh, Zen Pinball on Vita. We have a few other standalone games uh, because, uh, like, 3DS, DLC functionality is very difficult. Um, we've been trying to do it for a long time, but we just ended up releasing standalone games like Marvel Pinball and Star Wars Pinball. Okay. And those just have those branded tables. Vita it all lives under one roof, um, but there are those standalone as well in mm. the, the really, we're, we're, we're actually going to be simplifying things moving forward. Um,
0: because we have too many products to support. So, yeah, I do get the impression No offense to yourself or your colleagues is this, it's so spread out. I don't know where to start. If it's, yeah. You're new to it. I'm not, but if you're new to it, like, which is the best one? I said, well, so what, how are you addressing that? Well, see, there's a few things here that we think about, like on
1: mobile, uh, st- um, visibility is really hard. And so when we have a brand that we can put on its own, like with search terms like Marvel, you know, someone searches for Marvel games, we're going to come up there if we have the Marvel standalone game, but we won't come up if we, if we have just Zen pinball. So Mm -hmm. some of that's a bit of a marketing discussion and just, or decision. And just the way people will discover games on the store on mobile is completely different. So having separate games like that makes more sense on a more of a curated platform like Xbox and PlayStation, Uh, one game is definitely the best way to go, all content under one roof. And so that's what we're going towards. And that's why on on PlayStation 4, Zen Pinball 2 is the only pinball game that's going to be on PS4 unless we go to like Zen Pinball 3.
0: Hmm.
1: And we're allowing everybody to import their purchases from previous generation um,
0: to PS4 at no charge.
1: So all those tables...
0: That's great, because I've got a lot of tables on the PlayStation 3. I don't own a PS4 yet. Because my pile of shame is massive. That's why I don't know. That, that's <laughs> oh, my reason. Mine, mine's, mine's probably more massive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got the steam sales, which I've banned myself from now. Like, stop it, Chris. It may only <laughs> be one pound, but that's not the point. You don't need it. But it's only, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, I'm so in the same I'd, dilemma. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, can't justify it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Um, it's a constant struggle. And they, 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 yeah. Anyway. So that's really, really magnificent to, actually, to generous of you to actually say, oh, let's just give them all the tables they bought for us already because these people supported us all these years, right?
1: That, that's the message. Uh, you know, we are very thankful for people who purchased the tables and kept us going and allowed us to keep uh, making the game. So uh, the other thing is, I mean, we want to keep our community intact. You know, we have a huge amount of players and we know that the PS4 is the shiny new kid on the block. So we hope that if you go get one, you'll download the game and stay with us while we are working behind the scenes on a new iteration, um, a new platform, if you will. And uh, so the way that our game usually works is, you know, we just roll out an update and your old game becomes your new game with all these cool new features and new tables, you know, alongside. So this is kind of to hold you over until we can really wow you and we we don't want to lose you is, you know, really what's happening.
0: So just to be clear, everyone understands that the pinball family of games that Zen Studios makes is covered on pretty much every current platform. Uh, correct. So it's Android. I'm gonna get the obscure ones first. So you Android, iOS. Is it Windows Mobile? Windows 8. Windows, oh yeah, Windows. No, yeah. Not
1: Windows Mobile. We're not on Windows Mobile yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, so apart Mac, on. yeah, Macintosh, on- Linux. I can't remember.
1: Uh, no. no, you know what's funny is our, our all of our tech is Linux based, but we don't have a Linux release yet. It's but you know, yeah. Steam
0: machines are coming. Yeah, so indeed, um, which was released this a couple of days ago. Um, and then we have got PC Windows, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And then we have got uh, 360. You have um, PS3. PSN. And then you've got PS4 now, of course.
1: PS4, um,
0: Wii U, Wii U, yes, coming to that. And then we have got 3ds. Yep. And Vita. In Vita. I think yeah, I think that's it. See what I mean? Uh, it's it's everywhere. Kindle, right? Kindle support, you know, if you're on oh, Amazon. Wow. Yep. Okay, yeah. so what Kindle Fire? Stuff, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. It's a so lot. I do have a Kindle, but it's only a second generation one. It does one thing <laughs> really yeah. well, but it does one thing and it reads books. Um, it reads books. Let <laughs> <laughs> it displays books for me to read, and that's awesome. Um, so that leads me on to sort of my like, my sort of real core question is really about um, the the mechanics of the game. Because I've been playing this for many years and I've noticed some peculiarities and lots of chats about pinball fanatics. I do play pinball for reels, as they I, as, as I say. And uh, I compare that experience to a video game experience. And I love them both. I'm not a purist. So I'm not going to go, oh, put my nose, turn my nose up. I'd never, I'd never do that. Um, in fact, you know, Zen Pinball is partly responsible for my in my interest for for real pinball um it's so they boast i mean they pinball fx and pinball as in pinball 2 boast a unique i believe take on pinball video games in that they seem to cross the divide between simulation and video game Mm -hmm. do you think that is the reason for their success and where do you draw the line between the two That has
1: a lot to do with the success
0: of it. You know, uh, one of the things we know, there's a
1: huge amount of pinball players from the classic arcade days, Mm -hmm. and they're fans of the game. You know, we understand we'll never be able to recreate that actual experience of feeling the machine and tilting it and the smell of the arcade and, you know, the the moments when you lost your ball, you were about to take the high score. I mean, you cannot replace that. But what we can do... Is aid in the evolution of the game. Uh, pinball has survived for decades and decades, it, going back to even before it, 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 you know, before it had flippers, and it was kind of a gambling game. It was, and, yeah, it's peculiar. It was, yeah, yeah. Was and through the years, it's just it's evolved. It's maintained an awesome player base, and so it needs it needs support from a company like Zen who can uh, help innovate and keep the game alive for a new generation of players. Mm. So while we were uh, once catering to that kind of hardcore pinball group, our audience now. For one, it's massive, and it's people who never played pinball. So this is their when they when they hear pinball now, this is this is the game. They they don't even equate it to a machine. No. So, um, you know, there there's a fine line. We still need to maintain the traditional pinball mechanic, but we also how how fantastic do we want to be, and how out of this world do we want to be? And we base that on on what the theme for any particular table is, and we do things that make sense for that theme, and uh, could you know that could possibly be real so uh whether we're working with mars and there's like little satellites flying around the table or it's um the infinity gauntlet when the powers you know one of the powers
0: flips the whole entire board upside down yeah that's bonkers when that happens to me first i dropped my controller Going, sorry (laughs) i almost wrote to you going what are you doing But see, it makes sense in that world. It doesn't make sense in in
1: like paranormal, or, uh, or maybe that's a bad one to use. It doesn't make sense in like Spider Man or no. Excalibur, cool. right? But or Excalibur, oh, that's one of my favorite tables. Yeah,
0: yeah, amazing. So, uh, so, that's, so what, that's what I mean. You do you go beyond. I mean, you you go beyond the physical world because you couldn't build these. You can't. I don't think it would be difficult. Some of our older ones, you might be able to. Yes. In, you know, you could
1: still build an Infinity Gauntlet table and have the, the toys on the in the playfield, but would it be able to flip upside down? No, no you'd need some special effects, or yes. or one of the things I'm having delivered to my house today—a virtual pinball machine or Oh, I've seen cabinet. those.
0: Yes, big, dirty, great screen on them. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, I, Christmas
1: is coming early. I have one being <laughs> delivered to my house here today. So, That's,
0: yeah,
1: oh, I'm, I'm excited I'm, to try it out, see what the game looks like. We're working with a company to. Uh, you know the brand one pinball effects and uh, i think that there's there's a future there for the game um on these machines if we had
0: if i had the space i would too but uh, yeah but it's something i hear a lot of people saying oh yeah i'd, I'd like to play you know something more arcadey or something more you know i like the fact that we have got these whiz bang things flying across the screen and setting the ball on fire and it explodes in your face and you know, it's lovely um i think it just because you can if people want that more arcade experience they can go to an arcade or you know, what have you. So, But anyway, I'd just like to ask about how you develop content for these, for the pinball games, because they are many, many, many tables. How many have you got now? There's a, there's a question for you. <laughs> I don't know the answer. It's probably uh, close to 40. It's about 40-odd tables now. It is quite extraordinary. Um, how is that, I don't want to get into too much minutiae on this, but How is that done? Do you have a standard sort of tool set that then you use to spread out to all the other platforms?
1: Um, Well, we have our own technology, which we've developed over the last, oh, I don't know, uh, eight, nine years. And what it allows us to do is... uh, Every table started uh, from the same place, uh, like the beginning. We don't rescan a table. We don't use assets from one to another. It's
0: all... From the ground up, no, that would be obvious if you did that. If you didn't yeah, try to would. cobble something together, hang on, that looks a bit... Oh, right, <laughs> yeah, okay. So the technology
1: allows us to uh, start from um, the, the highest level of fidelity and graphical horsepower, and all the you know that which would be like high-end PC and um, Xbox 360, and well now PS4 and Xbox One, and then we can scale down relatively easily all the way down to the, to the lowest um, fidelity platform and. um there's still things that we have to do to customize it for each device and each release but the, the general product itself or the general table itself um, mm. is easily scalable
0: with oh. our technology so I thought that probably you'd have to scale it down for the 3DS maybe or Android and iOS device I'm guessing yeah. they're probably the lowest common denominator aren't they
1: it is and actually th- 3DS is probably the lowest mm. um, lowest amount of polys on, on the table um, mobile devices are uh, are really catching up in their horsepower, especially with yes. like the high-end
0: Tiger chips. I, uh, I have high-end. a 5S and that thing flies. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Cool. Okay, I thought it was something like that, but I just wanted to get how you built that up. So you use scaling technology, basically. One of exactly. The you use. Okay. Yeah. So this is now getting down. This is a player asking the creator really question. Ready? um how do you get and this is based on my own experience with some tables how do you get the balance between difficulty luck and skill when designing a table how does that work because there are times when i hit the ball i hit the plunger and it's like what straight out i didn't even get to hit it <laughs> yeah you know um, how do you overcome that apart from obvious play testing how what other tricks and things do you do to make sure that well, the experience is how can i put it fair the yeah,
1: balancing is one of the most difficult things to do in a game. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, uh, if you play a machine, there's just days when it, you felt off, right? Yeah. When like, no matter what you did, you couldn't keep a ball alive. Your score was terrible. Just, just terrible. And, Nothing. and then you come back, sometimes even that same day you take a break and then all of a sudden you're on fire and, and your game lasts forever and you're setting high score and everything's great. Um, in, you know, machines were designed to take your money, and they were designed uh, to be profitable as a business. And so now that we're in video games, we're like, you buy the table and you own it. You know, it's it's totally mm. – there's a different objective here. Um, we want players to feel good about their game, but where the real magic happens and where, you know, difficulty levels are set and all that, it's with one with the rule set and the table design with ramps and how the table flows. But really the ball physics has so much to do with everything. And if the physics are off, that can really ruin a table very quickly. Um and I'd still say that there's still that element of I'm just having a bad day today. <laughs> and um I it happens to me. Sometimes I can't play with crap. I, I just I'm terrible.
0: And yeah, there's other suddenly days when you're, I, you're using your I can't thumbs lose. instead of your index finger or something, you know, some things happen like has my fingers or hands turned into claws or something? Can't I play this game anymore? And, yeah, it, it can right. be frustrating. And you end up playing Spelunky instead of something. <laughs> That's
1: the other, we didn't get to that. I am playing Spelunky.
0: Aren't <laughs> we all? Uh,
1: We're going to all be playing that forever.
0: Ever. And ever. Was, uh, I remember when that came out on the PC going, was everyone getting excited about this? I played it for about 20. 20- oh, I see. <laughs> now I get it. Um, but anyway, it's, it, it is like that. I think there are times when I hit the plunge and it sort of bounces off and like, like I had no chance. I had no chance to hear that, but it was, it was generally me. Um, and this is one of those things, but it's the worst thing to blame the table. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But there are some bad ones, not yours, but I've encountered, you know, bad tables. Like, Oh, <laughs> I won't name them either. It's not failing them. Yeah. A final question on, on the pinball stuff. Um, and this is my own, again, bit of personal experience with the game and I'd like to know how you deal with this because one of the key components of pinball games is to communicating to the player that what they're triggering and what they should be aiming at in order to maximise their score without giving too much away. So how do you design that? I mean, how do you get, how do you get to making sure that it's still challenging as an experience without giving too much away? Because I find balls, you know, exploratory thing. So carry on.
1: Yeah, well, the number one rule in pinball is follow the flashing lights. Yes! <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, it's a good Let's idea flash. to hit, hit the ball where the lights are flashing, yeah. and uh, you'll probably make something happen. We we've we go back and forth about this so many, you know, so many discussions. Uh, we do have a rule set um, and kind of a help guide with for every table. And some people tell us, you know, your rule set should be way, way more uh, in depth. You should give us more information. But part of the fun of the table is just discovering it for yourself. And after you've played some of these tables, like for hours and hours, you can still do something that you've never done before. Oh, and, yeah. you, and it's just that beauty of discovery. It's part of pinball. So we tend to lean towards not giving away very much and wanting you to figure it out on your
0: own. And one of the earliest things I discover in most tables is how to lock the ball. Come on, I need to lock the ball because I need the multi-ball. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Yeah. And you do that wonderfully because you actually open that up very early in the game because you know ball locking is a key component of many of your tables. And for those listeners who don't understand what this means, basically you lock the ball into a place and then you store up three balls typically. It can be more, but typically it's three. And then once you reach a certain number, they are released all at once. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, because you get maximum score, because you've got more than one ball bouncing around. You're going to hit multiple things at the same time, and the whole ball comes splashing up, and it's lovely. Right. Um, But, I mean, what I do is I actually do a lot of juggling, um, sort of trapping the ball on the flippers and then flipping. You know, I'm sure there's a term for it, but I do a lot of that to get, you know, and that's that's what I do. Um, And then once once I've figured that out, I then start exploring the table. Um, and one of my favorite tables personally is the ones that have the secondary tables. Is there another term for that? But you know the ones that have yeah, know, like, small mini-games in them. Yeah, like
1: drop-down playfields and mm. little mini-games and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. And, and you, it really surprises you. All of a sudden, you're taken into something completely different. You weren't <laughs> expecting it. and
0: It's a shock the first time it happens. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think the one in Excalibur where you're fighting is a knight. That's quite tough. Um because I normally hit them too soon, like, oh no, no, I was oh never mind, but right. uh, yeah it's it's the ball locking that's what I go, for. but yeah, I just wanted to get that feedback because I was just amazed about the the, the fidelity you actually put into that, clearly you put a lot of thought into how to alert the player, not too much, but like you might want to shove the ball up this ramp, you really <laughs> might want to do want to do that, <laughs> okay. Well, let's just move on to the third part of the show. Normally, well, we don't have three parts, but because we have two games to talk about, we've got three parts. Now, we're going to talk about Castle Storm. So, Mel, tell us all about this.
1: Yeah, Castle Storm is a a genre mashup, if you will. Uh, It's kind of like real-time strategy meets Angry Bird-style destruction mechanic where you have a ballista and you're firing weapons um, at an enemy castle. And you have a ground attack um, that you can uh, go down and control real-time. You also can build your own castle and use that in battle. There's leveling and upgrading. There's just there's a whole bunch going on and it's wrapped around in this kind of lighthearted, funny knights vs. Vikings warfare story. So there's a lot to the game. It's it's still pretty approachable and uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's been reviewed, uh, received very good scores. It's done very well for us. It exceeded download expectations. Like we're just blown away by the response. So um, I don't know. That that's pretty much the overview of the game. It's just we're. We're thrilled with how it's done.
0: My take on it has been, it's a cross between <clears throat> a tower defense game um, and a hack and slash adventure game a little bit, mm-hmm. and also Minecraft. <laughs> because yeah, sure, why not? Because the reason I say Minecraft, because this leads me to my, to my question and why I think I believe this game is successful. Maybe you can expand on, maybe that's why your design decisions led to where it is now and its release was it's the thrill of you building something and then make and turning out that what you built wasn't rubbish (laughs) to the point where you survived. Yeah. It survived an onslaught, a significant onslaught. You designed this building uh, and you created it as this castle and then use the, the devices within the castle to generate units for you to fight against others. And and successfully. And that's one of the things that people forget about. Most people think about Minecraft as a creative thing, but for me, what I like about Minecraft is what I like they said, is because it's a survival thing. You've got to do loads of things during the day to survive against the creepers at the end of the night. That's the yep. point. You're trying to survive not to get killed. You know, And this is what I think there's a lot of that in, in this. Is that true? Do you think? Yeah, that, that's,
1: you're onto something there.
0: Okay. Um, you know, the
1: creative director on this project uh, grew up building Lego cities and then throwing objects at him to, to see what would happen. Not just to destroy it, but to see what the reaction would be. Right. You know, how does this object with this weight interact? So he was very, very analytical. It was kind of like a kid's game, but he was like a scientist. And so he took, he took, that approach and that idea and you know that was kind of the basis for the castle building and the destruction aspects and what kind of funny weapons can we put together where whether it's sheep or uh, cannonballs or trash just being thrown at this castle and uh, what happens and so um, it's very
0: monty python like although yeah, they good. didn't yep. they didn't throw animals at walls they threw them over walls over walls yeah they did <laughs> yeah
1: I'd say the, 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 the style of humor that we were going for and just the kind of uh
0: it was de- definitely very Monty Python. Python-esque, yes. Uh, yeah. Holy Grail was a very, very funny film. If you haven't seen it recently, I recommend you do so because it hasn't... Um, it has aged extremely well. It's still relevant. It's extraordinary. I it in so long. You, you, it sounds like a good idea over the holiday. It's a good holiday f- click. It's really good. It's one of mine. That and... Um, oh, Die Hard. Don't know why. Well, it's a Christmas film anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I thought that was the case. You know, That was the... That's the thing that draws me to it all the time to play. I've got an XBLA and stuff, so. But now it's coming out on the Wii U, which is why we're talking about now. But uh, we're we'll got a question specifically about the Wii U. But before we do, I want to talk about the art style. It reminded me a lot of what Warcraft, no offense intended. In fact, it's probably a compliment. Uh, it has low polygons, I think, but the textures are exquisite. I mean, they're really, really detailed. Uh-huh. Was this a design decision to prevent? the game from reducing to a crawl due to the number of units on the screen? Or is there another decision? I, mean, I just want to get to the why is it looking like that? It can yeah, look there, like, yeah.
1: There's some, some tech limitations. Um, obviously, this is a game that we want to translate onto a lot of different screens. You know, slowly we're rolling it out to new platforms and whatnot. But also, that was just um, – we felt like that art style was uh, friendly and it – I don't know. I, I'd say that it was more just the, the art direction versus any kind of tech limitation, but there was some of that. I mean, the amount of NPCs you have on the screen can be quite a bit at times yeah. when, when, especially during like the hordes of the enemies are coming at you in survival modes and stuff. Okay. But, yeah, there's a good balance there
0: between what's technically possible and what art we were going for. But the animation's just so, so good. And there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, you know, that's how WoW's always worked, because if you look at all the what's happening on the creatures, on the, on the adv- avatars. There's so much stuff animated on them. And uh, you've done this similarly here. You've, it's really, it, it just works really, really well because you can ignore the polygons, but you can slap on some amazing textures. And it, that's how it works. And It works wonderfully. Right. So we've got the Wii U version coming out. What can you tell us that's unique about this version versus others? Because I'm leading you on to really, how are you using the gamepad? How are you going to use that touchscreen, if at all?
1: Yeah, no, we, we make full use of the touchscreen. Um, I guess like the most generic use would be uh, you can play it on the gamepad without having the TV on. So uh, if you know you want to play Castle Storm and somebody else is watching some TV show, you still got the game in your hand. Uh, on the multiplayer side of things, uh, um, one player can play on the TV and the other one can use the gamepad. So um, that allows you to play local multiplayer, um, just having a gamepad and a controller. Um, there are some of the things like you can uh, be watching the TV and, and firing your, your ballista on the uh, gamepad using the, the, the touch. So um, if you want to play with buttons, you can, or if you just want to play with touchscreen, you can. So Yeah, I reckon uh,
0: a ballista firing must be really precise now. Yeah. It must be so much easier. Like, what do you think? Is that happening? I mean, what, comparing it to the other versions? Um, I think so. I, I think it, it plays generally... Um, in line
1: with with everything else, it might be a little
0: yeah, more course. improved. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get it. has got some balancing, but ultimately, I do think holding a stylus in your hand and directing where exactly that ballista is going to fire is a little easier than using a joystick and trying to aim. Which you you know did a great job of in the other versions, but uh, I suspect um, this would be that well, precise control. It makes sense. Right. Physics. Yeah, what you're going to do. Um, so. There's one last question I've got for you on on the game, and we can talk about. It, it comes out on 26th of December, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's day a Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah it's a
0: Boxing Day in Canada and and other Commonwealth countries, including UK. Um, yeah. So it's another, you know, it's a holiday for us. So, um, <laughs> but um, so nicely timed, people with new EU's and, and yeah, get this game. But the question I have about. Using the hero unit on the main unit um, and then switching from that and over to the ballista, um, was that a, an early design decision? Did that come in early or was it something... Because I found it nicely changes the pace of the game. One minute you're in a miniature, mini, mini, miniature hack-and-slash game chopping people to bits, albeit a 2D plane, but it's still very familiar to Diablo players and that sort of thing. And then you're flipping over to... You know, Angry Birds, as you say. <laughs> so, yep. was that an early decision, or was it something? Co- I'm just, I'm just curious how that evolved. No, we, play? we, we designed that from the very early
1: stages. That was one of the cool things we wanted to do was have this dynamic gameplay experience where um, things can really shift and really change for you. You've got essentially two battles going on, and you need to be in the middle of
0: both of them. Right. So
1: that was something that was definitely planned.
0: So it's a it was found that sometimes some games especially mobas i find information overload i hit that critical mass and going what am i supposed to do well i know i should be doing something now but instead i'm doing something else right now but i don't think that actually happens with with, with castle storm at all you can have fun or you you know what you should be doing at any particular time right uh, and that's well signposted but a lot of other games like i said mobas is like what are you doing? Why are you going, no, no, you should be over there. No. And, uh, but no, this, this I, just, I just love the, the change of pace between one experience and the other in the same game. It's quite mm-hmm. a feat and it's not often done.
1: Cool. I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you for that feedback. Glad you recognize that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And, um, well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much uh, for this, for this mail. Really, really, um, open about, about the games you're making. And, um, Maybe we we'll come again soon and talk about new stuff you're doing in the future. Sure, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Maybe when you release Xbox One version or something. I mean, there is an Xbox One version on the way, or is on? It exists. I don't know. Um, we're figuring
1: out what we're doing on Xbox One. We'll probably be announcing formally like what the what the plan is uh, early next year. But we're, we will have a slate of games that we're announcing for Xbox One.
0: Just on the next gen machines or current gen, really, you should call them that. Um, Because they're here, after all. Yeah, they are. That's right. The trio are here now, and I just want to know. You'd think the development for them. I mean, considering how you got Pinball FX, or sorry, then Pinball Two out for PS4 so quickly. I think quickly, anyway. um, It's is it more or less similar to running working on a PC, or am I just being ignorant here? We get from the outside in, we get the impression because the architecture is similar to a PC. Surely sure. there's some commonality. Is that true? I would say that's true, yeah. So there's some help there. That's actually helped the industry, the development industry, knowing that they're dealing with familiar architecture. That's helped them immensely.
1: Yeah, look, these these new consoles are supercharged PCs. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of similarities. Um, and uh, there, there are some elements, each of them, that are different and, like, you know, whoa, like this is really cool. There's a lot of power here. But uh I I would I would say they're equivalent of really high end PCs.
0: Yeah. Which is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Because Hopefully it can last, you know, they could need to last five, six years. So
0: Well, they managed to do it last generation, whether we liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Did they do it did they manage it or did they I don't know, did they manage to do it last generation? I don't think so. But still I, the discussion for
1: I still think we didn't max out the power of both those consoles. I think Last of Us gave it a really gave us a really good taste of. It
0: did, yeah. What is
1: possible because that game still looks. I mean, shoot, some people will kill me for saying this, but I think that that game looks as good, if not better, than anything we've seen so far on the new consoles.
0: I know. Well, no, that's fine. You're yeah. going to get a lot of that. in you know, that little transition phase, and it's quite interesting. Yeah. But um, anyway, Mel, thank you very much. I've kept you for far too long, as it is. Um, okay. And uh, everyone, if you could leave us uh, uh, an iTunes review, and if you've got any questions or suggestions on games you want to cover, do email us at tsf@spong.com. At Until then, have a great Christmas. Bye.